Hey everybody, I'm Dan from Portland, Oregon. I'm Kate from Minneapolis. I'm Zach from Madison, Wisconsin. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like me. If you'd like to donate to support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and please click on Donate. I'm Jesse Thorne, live on tape from my house in Los Angeles. It's The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Donald Glover, who's part of the comedy group Derek Comedy. They've got a brand new feature film out called Mystery Team about a group of three high school seniors who are, frankly, getting a little bit long in the tooth for their hobby, which is Hardy Boys-style detective work. Before we get to my interview, let's hear a clip from the film. In this scene, Donald's character, Jason who, at least theoretically, is a master of disguise, has just been called into the principal's office. He's wearing a disguise, but it's a very, very bad disguise, highlighted by a very, very second-rate fake mustache. Excuse me, is this the principal's office? Come in, Jason. Oh, no, 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 no. I am not Jason. I am Jason's father. And I just came down here to say that he will be punished. So there is no need to suspend him or call me Jason's father. I get a frantic call from Mr. Daniels over Wilson Elementary telling me that one of his students was taken off the premises by you. Do you know how serious that is? Oh, Jason, Jason, Jason. Can you believe I'm his father? Jason, I mean. Jason. Take off the mustache. We meet again, old friend. Look, I know when you were younger, the whole town, myself included, was very amused by you and the mystery kids. Mystery team, okay? Mystery team. People used to call us heroes. And it really razzes my berries when people don't take us seriously. I mean, look how big my magnifying glass is. (laughs) Your head's big. Put that down. That's enough. You're an adult now. Act like one. You're excused. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest on the program is comedy writer and performer Donald Glover. He's a regular on the NBC sitcom Community, where he plays uh, Troy, the uh, failed ex-jock. He is a member of the sketch comedy group Derek Comedy, who are internet super sensations uh, and have a feature film, which they made themselves in, premiered at last year's Sundance Film Festival, uh, called Mystery Team, which is uh, currently on a uh, one-stop-at-a-time tour of the United States of America. Yeah. Um, he's also written for uh, television's 30 Rock, which is, uh, uh, w- uh, with no offense intended to community, probably the greatest show of ever. <laughs> um, uh, Donald, welcome to The Sound of Young America. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Jesse. You're, you're originally from um, the environs of Atlanta, Georgia, correct? Right, yes. Um, I I saw you perform um, uh, at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater here in Los Angeles, and, and you told a story that was uh, premised upon your having grown up in a foster home Mm-hmm. Um, not the kind of foster home where uh, you yourself were a foster child, mm-hmm. but rather the kind of home where uh, your parents um, were, were foster, foster parents. parents. For a whole bunch of kids, yeah. How many uh, blood Brothers siblings did you I, have? I have a sister, Brianne, and a, and a little brother named uh, Stephen. Uh, and we're blood brothers. 
and sisters. Um, <laughs> is that the way you put it? Uh, and uh, we we adopted uh, two children, uh, Marco and Jalisa, you know, Sarah and my brothers and sisters. But we had, before we adopted so them... So right now that's five. Right now it's five. Before okay. we adopted them, we had... Uh, even then, like, we had a whole... We had, oh, there was always six of us, at least. Like, sometimes my mom would get, like, kids in just for, like, a night and stuff, and then it'd be, like, nine or something. <laughs> but, like, yeah, the kids were just coming in constantly. It was just, like... Because my parents, I guess, like, for a while, I didn't even realize it, really, but, like, they were kind of, like, big wigs, I guess, at, like, DFACs and stuff, which is the name of the, like, Foster Parent Association down there in Atlanta. And, like, something bad would happen on the news, and then there'd be a knock at the door. It literally like that, like some like somebody got shot or something, like and they found children, and then it'd be like, <laughs> like two days, like and you, they'd just be staying with you, and, and you, that was just the way it was. Yeah, there's kids coming through all these stories. Did your parents ever give you like a sit down talk about it? Um, no, they never really said like. They never really. The, the only time they ever sat down and as was like when we adopted kids like they would sit down and be like what would you think if we adopted blah 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 and you did know. you veto any adoptions <laughs> i know like I, that was such a weird position i remember by the time we were like de- adopting demarco which was like the second one i was like am i supposed to say like no like am i supposed to be like nah man he needs to find a new home <laughs> i mean i got things to do and like it, yeah it was never like i'm not that. sharing my bike <laughs> This I know we're supposed to be there on sweet, but this guy's got. There's go. not enough Nintendo time for four people, <laughs> much less five. I, I know, but we're kind of spreading the Nintendo a little thin. The Sega Genesis is a little. I can't play Bonk. <laughs> My Turbo Graphics 16 with you know four of the people. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it was. It, yeah, they asked us, but they never really. My mom never really did. My grandma does the same thing. Like I guess it's, so. It just kind of came natural. Just like oh, there's just kids around, and they come in, and we help those people out. But like. Thank goodness I turned it into funny. <laughs> Let's talk about turning it into funny. It seems like that's a, 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 that's a pretty specific uh, survival technique in a house with uh, 12 million children. <laughs> uh, not really. I think it was just like me vying for attention like everybody else. You know, my, when, you know like we were raised Jehovah's Witness, so it was just like, you know, they would, they would, they would get, they would get, Christmas presents and we wouldn't. They would get Christmas presents from the state. <laughs> you know, the state would give them Christmas presents. So it was just always like this battle of just like they they needed more attention than we did. Of course they did, but like you know, as a kid, you just want attention from your parents. So like, I think that a lot of that grew out of that. I I, I know that, and like also just like the schools I was going to, it was just like kind of I, it kind of felt like second nature. You know, as a as a survival technique. You went to NYU um, for your undergraduate education. That's where you uh, started working with uh, the other people in Derek Comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, was moving from Atlanta to New York uh, a decision that was supported by your family? Were they happy to have you far away, or did they want to keep you close to home? My parents really wanted me to stay. Really did. I mean, I think they were nervous because I was so far Far, I would be so far away. I mean, like, they weren't... It wasn't one of those things where it was just like, oh, we're from Georgia, you know, we don't know about the big city. I mean, they're from the Bronx. They're from New York. My grandma lives up there. I had been up there once before or twice. And Atlanta's a pretty big city. <laughs> Atlanta's a big city, yeah. yeah. But, like, even at the time, like, the suburbs of Atlanta were very, like, you know, you know, very, you know, kind of country. We, our, our, the, middle, the middle school that's closest to us now was a cow field. Like, I remember smelling the manure, <laughs> and it was a huge cow field, but, like, it was in the middle of the suburbs. 
But like uh, my parents, they were my dad. You know, my parents, my mom. They were very supportive. They just, you know, at the time Atlanta had the Hope program. So if you had over three point oh, you could go to school anywhere in the state for free as long as it wasn't a private university for free. They pay for everything. So it was just like it seemed kind of crazy to be like, so you're gonna move away and you're gonna go to this private university where it costs a lot of money. And I think, like, the the most fight they ever put up, which wasn't even really a fight. They just didn't have the money. They are like, we can't support you. We don't have any money for it. Thank God for, like, you know, scholarships and stuff. But Why did you want to do it? I, Atlanta was so small, you know. It, only, <laughs> only five million people. <laughs> only five million people lived there. It was so small to me. I don't know. Like, I always was mad at Atlanta. Like, Atlanta gave me so many cool things. Like, I think the biggest gift Atlanta gave me was that I was bored there. Honestly, like I feel like if I had grown up in New York, I wouldn't be doing any of this cool stuff that I feel like I'm doing or having as much fun as I think I'm, I'm having because there would have been so much stuff given to me all at the same time. But I was always bored in Atlanta and it doesn't really give you anything to do until you're like 18, really. And it, it just I, I, I just wanted to and you had to have a car to get around. And New York was this place. It really did. Like, I was so broke in New York for a long time, but it was like I was having the best time of my life because you can get around anywhere, you know, because things are so close. You can, And if you can't afford the subway, you can just skateboard there or ride a bike, and everything's going on at the same time. And just I took to it like water. It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Donald Glover, who's part of the comedy group Derek Comedy. They have a new film out called Mystery Team, but they made a name for themselves via their YouTube videos. Here's one of them. Donald is playing a guy hawking hip-hop CDs on the street. Sir, do, do you like hip-hop? Ma'am, ma'am, do you like it? Sir, do, hey, do you like hip-hop? Yeah, yeah, I like hip-hop. You like hip-hop? Yeah, sure. Really? 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 You really like hip-hop? Yeah, I really like hip-hop, yes. Come with me. Oh my God, that's Jay-Z's body. Exactly, and I'm gonna let you cop that for 50 bones. $50 and it's all yours. No, 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 I'm not buying Jay-Z's body. Hey man, this is a good deal. This is like having the first pair of Jordans and shit. You can't get this everywhere. How did you even get Jay-Z's body? I shot him in the face, 30 bones. 30 bones and Jay-Z's body is all yours, you, man. You got close enough to Jay-Z to shoot him in the face? I used to be his driver, 20 bones. 20 bones and Jay-Z's body is yours. You can even take the clothes. I was just gonna burn them. This is gonna be on the news. I can't be exactly. here. Exactly. And then everybody's gonna know and you gonna be out of a Jay-Z. 10 bones. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Hey, 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 man. You said you liked hip-hop. All right, man, all right. I will give you Jay-Z's body and Ludacris's body what? for free. For free. All right? And all you gotta do is not implicate me in the murder of Jay-Z, Ludacris, and Lil Bow Wow. You killed right. Lil Bow Wow? All right, you a haggler. Hold on, hold on. Ugh. I chopped them up. Lil Bow Wow's in there? Most of them. The birds got to the rest. Derek Comedy started uh, posting videos at the, on YouTube at the very birth of YouTube mm-hmm. as a cultural phenomenon. And... Um, uh, was extraordinarily successful, um, uh, astonishingly successful. Yeah. Um, when that started uh, exploding, did you get the idea, oh, man, we could really be a r- real thing, or did it not even seem 
real. One of the weird things about the internet is you can watch that number go up and it's like... Yeah, it doesn't feel like anything. You're just kind of like, oh, that's really cool that people are watching it. I didn't... It was just this thing where we didn't have bandwidth. We couldn't afford it. We really wanted to put up these videos on our on our website and show them to people, but we didn't have the bandwidth. They were like, oh, this thing... I remember Dominic coming to a meeting and being like, we could put them on this thing called YouTube that's coming out that we just... That's out... And we remember, like, okay, we can do that. And it just so happened to, like, YouTube happened to get really popular. And we were, like, j- j- by circumstance, one of the first sketch groups on there. And we were very, you know, fortunate, you know, that we were looking for an outlet at that time. And we found that one. Um, but it, it is this weird thing where just, like, you know, millions and millions of views. Like, the strange, it's not like network television or cable where it's just, like, a... A certain demographic sees you and like this at this time and da, 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 da. it's just like people will just pop up out of nowhere or you just be like in, in a taxi and somebody will be like hey oh you're the guy from uh i probably can't say some of the names of the sketches but like yeah i was watching like, the sketches and really struggled to find even one <laughs> that we could play even a selection from they're so rough yeah they're really rough but i think that's what people responded to was that like you know the internet was this kind of new thing and you watching videos on the internet was this new thing and like a lot like with mystery team and the movies and the stuff that we make we're just like if nobody's saying we can't do it let's just try and get away with it so yeah i think that's why people responded to them and it is weird the, the groups of people that do remember you from it but it is very sparse it's very all over the place but people do remember you it's weird Here's Donald Glover as a homeless real estate agent or homeless shouting real estate (laughs) agent. We can't play the whole thing, but here's a little bit. Y'all here to see the apartment? Well, come on in. The old tenant stuff is still in here, but y'all get the picture. Over here is the intercom system. Every visitor that comes to the building's got to buzz up. You know, to keep the grazes out. Over here is the refrigerator. You can fit ten dismembered teenage bodies in here. And right here is the newly installed countertop. Solid wood. You can smear a lot of doo-doo on this. Are utilities included? Are utilities included? Just a bare in the woods? On my hands? No, no, I do on my hands. This on my ass! You you graduated from NYU and you um, pretty much immediately slid into the typical postgraduate gig. Uh, writing for television's 30 Rock. Um, <laughs> yeah, really slumming it. I, I read that you actually, uh, that 30 Rock's producer actually reached out to you because he was familiar with your work on the internet. That must have blown your mind. It really did. It really blew my mind. I didn't think it was true. I didn't, I really didn't. Like, I got an email. I was like, I remember just like, I, I, didn't, I was, had to move out of my dorm. I was an RA for the summer before I had to leave. Uh, presumably, NYU. presumably, you were an RA for the free housing. Yeah, yes, I had no money, but I was like, oh, I'll be an RA. I'll get free housing, and then I could look for jobs. I was looking for all these jobs, and you know, I was like, oh man, it's gonna be a couple of weeks, and I'm gonna have to move out. I gotta find a job, man. And out of nowhere, this email comes in from David Miner saying, he's like, hey, I heard your name tossed around. I'm executive producer for this show. I'm a producer for this show that's coming out called uh, Thirty Rock. Have you heard of it? <laughs> Which I, I definitely had. But, um, and he was like, so um, if you have anything, contact us. And I sent him like two scripts, a Simpsons spec script and an Everybody Hates Chris spec script and some sketches that night. I had DC from Derek Comedy read over them really fast and then sent them in, proofread them. And it sent them in. And yeah, it was, 
It was nuts. It's, it's, I, I, I hate telling comedians that story because <laughs> it's just like it seems very like, oh, when you're, when you're done with school, somebody will call you <laughs> and hopefully be ready. Uh, it, it, and it's strange. It, and, it, and it does seem too good to be true. It's actually we ran into somebody. <laughs> I ran into somebody who that, that happened to. Like basically for my job for the job at Thirty Rock, and they were like, "Yeah, but it was it had to be." So I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't do it, and I was like, "Oh, it wasn't BS. It wasn't BS. Oh, I don't know how to break this to you, but that was like <laughs> the open door, man." So it must have been terrifying to work on the Thirty Rock, fresh out of college, and go from you know writing. Uh, vulgar sketches with your <laughs> college buddies to um uh you know writing on a show that's being run by uh Tina Fey one of the most accomplished uh comedy writers in the business and it's on a staff that's full of like uh, guys that wrote for you know uh uh Frasier or News yeah. Radio or whatever yeah it was i was terrified i was so scared i remember the first day it was raining really hard in new york it was a, one of those summer rains that is like really hot, but it rains really hard, and I was like soaking wet, and like I was, I just looked like a like, like a, a sick kitten. Like I remember, just like <laughs> I wanted to take off my shoes. <laughs> I really did because like it was so wet. But I'm like, you're not gonna take off your your shoes on your first day, and like, yeah, it's just it was. Yeah, I remember Tina being like, because like Tina's just like she doesn't like to like. She'd like take off shoes and stuff like that. So she was just like, she's like, yeah, I, t- I, would t- I would take off my shoes, but yeah, you know, you don't do that. This is work. And I was like, yeah, who does that? You know, I'm <laughs> sweating bullets. And I was terrified. I was so scared. Like, especially when I found out, like, like two of the guys were, two of the guys were on this show called the monkey boys, which I used to watch a lot. That was on, and they were one of the writers and then guys from Frasier and, you know, all these, all these shows. And uh, Robert Carlock, who runs the show with Tina, uh, Wrote this the sweaty the sweaty ball sketch on on SNL and I was like dumbfounded. And he wrote for he wrote for Friends and stuff and all of them were so accomplished and funny. That's the thing. It wasn't one of those things where they weren't. They were one of the, they were like oh I wrote for this and you know my humor is very this and I I'll write it down but I won't say it. like in the room laugh out loud like doubled over funny. Those guys just were so funny. So I was very scared. For a long time, I don't think I really found my bearings until like halfway through the second year when I was like, "Oh, this is what I'm bringing to the group. Um, this is my like take." What were you bringing to the group? I guess like <laughs> young. <laughs> I, I was like the youngest guy, which was part of the, the 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 fear. I was just like, you know, I was having stress dreams every night. I, I had like stress dreams of me like on top of a building. I had this reoccurring dream where they were on top of a building and I'm doing like flips and jumping. <laughs> I'm doing like flips and like dancing for them and oh I kept falling God. off the falling off the building. Wow. I, yeah. I was Don't tell Cornell West about that one. <laughs> the one where you're dancing for the other right. I'm gonna get a whole bunch of, of letters. I'm gonna get a whole bunch of letters from uh from B E T and uh well not B E T probably but Tavis you know, Tavis is composing his editorial right now. <laughs> Uh, but I, I really like I really did have the, I had these dreams where I was just like trying everything and then I realized like it's just like you know I, I guess what I was giving was just like I was I, I was funny like that was I think it, it took me a long time to realize like you always, you're always going to be I, I think that now like you know when you're writing down sketches or when you're about to do stand up or you're writing a joke in a movie you're like oh is this funny am I funny I'm just what am I doing 
And but you have to realize, like, you know, you wouldn't. Teen, the best thing about Tino is that like she does not play around. Like if you weren't good, she's not gonna stand for it. Like she's she really like has faith in the people that she hired, and it was such a diverse group. And like it, it took me a long time to realize this. But I was like, oh, if I wasn't good, I wouldn't be here. Like if I wasn't like good at my job, like she wouldn't stand for it because like the show is really important to her. Putting out a good product is so important to her and Robert. And like they agonize over jokes for hours because they want it to be perfect. And if I wasn't helping with that, I knew I wouldn't be there. So I, that really helped me. And I just realized, you know, I was giving a voice that wasn't in the room. You know, a lot of those guys were, it was an eclectic, but she was always about, you know, being a woman writer, I think she really realizes, like, you know, not every j- joke should be written by, you know, a white dude from Harvard. You know, it, it's uh, it's got to be a, a mix of backgrounds and stuff like that, which is why I think she's so good with Tracy. When she understands, like, oh, that that's us. People like that. That's funny. You know, it shouldn't, it doesn't have to be like, oh, this has to be done a certain way for it to be funny. It's like, no, there's different types of funny. We'll be back with more from Donald Lover on The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. Production of The Sound of Young America is underwritten in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com. Hello, everybody. My name is Jimmy Pardo. I'm uh, the host of the very popular podcast, Never Not Funny. We are popular in both a free and paid format. Your choice. I prefer you go with the latter. Uh, I am alongside my co-host, uh, who's also the producer, who's also uh, got the new nickname, The Entrepreneur. His name is Matt Belknap. How you doing? I'm doing okay, Matt. Thanks. I appreciate you asking. Um, I said thanks. No, you did. <laughs> And I guess Jesse Thorne, who is the host of The Sound of Young America, who is a delightful man and funny in his own right. And a friend of ours. A terrific friend and a close guy. I would call him in a heartbeat if my car broke down, but it won't because I've got a new car. Uh, he asked us to put together a little 30-second commercial, and I don't know what to do for that, so I'm just going to talk nonstop. Well, the good news is we're already over time. <laughs> All right, great. So uh, listen, this is the, if you like what you just heard, listen to our podcast. Yeah, just go to podcast.com. Everything you need is right there. We have comedians, actors, broadcasters. Yeah. Uh, from Funny uh, people doing funny stuff. We're just talking, enjoying ourselves, making each other laugh. Podcast.com. Please join us. Max FunCon is an annual convocation of awesome, hosted by me, Jesse Thorne, and MaximumFun.org. You can spend a weekend in beautiful Lake Arrowhead, California, enjoying classes and shows from some of our favorite past Sound of Young America guests. This year, we'll have Jonathan Colton, Casper Hauser, Maria Bamford, Mark Marin, Al Madrigal, Jimmy Pardo, Andrew WK, and more. Registration for Max FunCon just opened, but beds go fast. Visit MaximumFun.org for more information and registration. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Donald Glover. He's part of the sketch group Derek Comedy. They have a new feature film out called Mystery Team. Here's a clip in which the Mystery Team's detective work has led them to a certain gentleman's club. Unfortunately, the three high school seniors don't exactly know what gentleman's club means. So to persuade the bouncer that they're legit, they've arrived at the front door in top hats and monocles. Hello, my good man. My boyles and I were in the neighborhood and we thought to treat ourselves to a day of sport with other gentlemen. Hi-ho. Perhaps there will be bear baiting. I'm wearing a top hat. 
Gentlemen, I'm gonna need to see some IDs. Well, of course. Yes, sir. Usual wallets. Oh, there we go. Made of diamonds, I guess. Ah, yes. The Velcro will do. There we go. Okay. A library card, a school ID. Da-da-da. And a folded up tracing of a hammerhead shark. Y'all got any money? Me and my colleagues are positively abreast with currency. Go ahead. Ah, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. oh, I can't wait to bear bait. I hear the mink is very good here. Oh, the mink. I love mink. England. Derek Comedy made a movie called Mystery Team, which uh, was at Sundance uh, this past year and um, uh, is currently uh, doing a theater tour. Um, what got into your head and made you, a couple of guys in a college sketch comedy group, think that you should go and make a feature film that you, I should say, uh, as a group, wrote, starred in, uh, directed, uh, produced. You did the score for the film. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's a very real feature film, having yeah. seen it. Yeah. Wh- wh- where did you get the idea that that was something that was in the cards, like even possible? <laughs> I guess I just never thought about it. I just never doubted it. I never thought, like, it would be like, oh, that's crazy that, like, these guys, we just, like, came together and just scraped our money together and make a movie that people would want to pay to see. I never doubted it. I always thought it would be, at the very end of it, like, we make, we make sketches for ourselves that nobody has ever seen and probably may not ever see because they don't make any sense. But <laughs> they're sketches just for us because we enjoy them so much. And... I think the enjoyment factor of just like, oh, we get to make this thing and that people would really like, like, it's just enough for us. So, like, I never, like, doubted that we would be able to pull it off. I was maybe a little bit scared that sometimes people wouldn't like it, but, you know, I thank God I was proved wrong. Uh, Was there a moment in making the film uh, when you realized, oh, yes, this is a thing. This is a real, (laughs) actual film that... We, that will play in movie theaters. Uh, w- uh, this isn't just a you know thirty thousand dollar loss, <laughs> just like fifty thousand dollar loss on thing. the part of the five of us. Um, uh, I think when the crew was like, "We're not gonna open the trucks until we get a hot breakfast." <laughs> that was when I was like, "Oh, that's a problem a manager has. That's a problem uh, we have." You know, like. Uh, Honestly, like the point that I, when I was like, oh, this isn't a real movie. This is something that's real, real. It was like, um, when it was the opening sequence that Dan shot, the opening sequence, there's an opening sequence where he like, it comes up on the, it comes up on the stand and then it pans down like it kind of drops down and then follows the string up and then goes like that. And I was scoring to that. Like it was, I, he just given me that piece and I was scoring to it and I was like, trying to come up with like the flute sounds and like I want the strings to do this and I when I was when I showed it to him I was like oh like that feels like the beginning of a movie like like I was like what's go I I know the movie really well but in that moment I was like what's going what's going on who is this guy <laughs> um so I I felt like that was the first time I was like oh this is a movie that you know people could see in a the theater and not be like oh from the guys that brought you you know homeless realtor (laughs) you know that's not what we ever wanted to be so it didn't feel that way good 
It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is comedian and writer Donald Glover. Here's a clip from the NBC show Community, where Don, as part of an ensemble which includes Chevy Chase and Joel McHale, among others, spends most of the scene trying to write a joke about Chevy's character's new girlfriend. I have a new girlfriend. You just got a girlfriend. <laughs> That's great. What's she do? She's an escort. Some mysteries solve themselves, don't they? No, no, no. That's just her profession. She doesn't escort me. No, no. I met her in my marketing class. And I'm taking Doreen to Andy's Mixer tonight. You mean the STD fair? Catch knowledge. Taking a call girl to an STD fair? This joke here. So, Jeff, dust off that black book and rustle up a honey, huh? Is there a pill that makes the word no clearer? Well, I guess it is pretty short notice. Probably couldn't get a date anyway. Ooh. I'm sure you're right. Ooh. Maybe it has something to do with crabs. They like a food, but they're also a disease. You know, I wonder, Jeffrey, for all your feather flashing, when was the last time you actually scored? Well, I don't know the precise date, Pierce, because I'm not you, so there's no receipt. Ooh. Oh, come on. Jeff, you shouldn't take pot shots at some poor woman just because you can't get a date. I can get dates anytime I want. Was it some kind of joke? No. This is. Don't eat the crab dip. Yay, yay. What gave you the um, hubris to uh, quit a writing job that you got straight out of college on the best comedy show on television um, and take a whole new direction in your career? (laughs) Uh, Youth. (laughs) <laughs> youth stupidity they'd be like i can i can write homeless realtor i can write for 30 rock i can write for teeny Faye, you know or just you know but that's what all now i can now then you go directly from that to yeah i can hang with chevy chase yeah <laughs> i can deal with those guys chevy chase and all those you know it's it's the thing where it's i don't know i really was like i don't know what i was thinking honestly like if 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 i if i could go back i'd do it again but like if I probably had like a, a little more time to think about it, I probably wouldn't have done it just because I was having such a great time on 30 Rock. You bleed Emmys on that show. <laughs> like that's just the way it is. And I was I was loving it and I was and I was getting to live in New York. And, you know, my my mom was just like so mad at me for so long when I left 30 Rock. Like they, she was just like, why are you getting off of this awesome show to do like and I didn't have community. Like that was the thing. I, I people think like, oh, and you left you left 30 Rock to join community. I was like, I didn't have a job. Like I left 30 Rock because I felt like I was being unfair to like because I was with the mystery team thing and I was really doing a lot of stand up, which I had just fallen in love with. Like I, I started doing stand up like that year and I was like, This is like my life. I love stand up. This is so great. And I was like, I mean, if I'm going to really pursue this, I got to, you know, drop, I got to drop this because 30 Rock is just an all day job. And they were so cool about it and they let me go and it was really nice. And I, the Russo brothers happened to have seen Mystery Team and then asked to like, for me to audition for this role. And I just happened to get it. I was like, very like my manager was like you you were unemployed for like six days <laughs> that was it and i was that was like you know it was luck again you know when you're working on community you're working with uh a, a lot of very talented comic actors um there there was a scene I, I i remember watching on a recent community where um uh chevy chase was playing in a band and, and had a lot of keyboards 
and got lost amongst the keyboards. <laughs> um, was trying to get out from behind the keyboards and got lost. And it was, and I saw it. And I, first, I was rolling on the ground laughing, and then I just thought, "Man, he is really, really, really good." Yeah. <laughs> like, he, there's oh right, he's one of the best yeah. to ever do that. He he proves time and time again, like. He is a master of physical comedy. Like, you can't, you can't fight that. Like, that's the thing. Like, that getting stuck in that, in that thing is, like, such a simple thing. But he has such nuance. It's like such a little, like, little move where he's just like, oh. He's, you can see all the gears turning, which he makes them visible to you when he's like, I'm going to go talk to you. And he looks, tries to get out, like, oh, I'm blocked. And then and it's like such little things where you're just laughing. And he does that with everything. Like when he like steps through the, the drums in the last episode, where it's just like that's such a thing you wanna see. And like I feel like so many people are just like, oh, we're past that in comedy. He's like, no, we're not. People falling down is always funny. Like if it, it, I mean, like if you could just see him on set, like he there was one point where like there's a part where he's supposed to be leaning back. And this was like I get like a couple of days before his sixty fifth birthday. He was like supposed to just lean back in the chair, and the chair is supposed to crack, and he's supposed to stand up and be like, "Whoa!" And on one take, he didn't tell anybody, and he just like leaned back and then flipped backwards and just like rolled out and just like hit everything, and everybody's screaming. You know, Yvette's crying. Like, he's just like, "Oh, we killed Chevy Chase!" <laughs> you know, like, but like that's he's just good at it. He's good at making it look like ballet. Like he's he's just like you know a master at it. It's sort of the same thing uh, watching Joel McHale tell a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy who can uh, sell a joke like nobody else. If you watch him on his uh, uh, television talk program, Talk Soup, um, you'll see him uh, hit home runs with jokes that should be singles mm-hmm. uh, all night long. Um, was it scary for you as a, as a relatively novice performer to be dumped again into the situation mm-hmm. where... You're um, you're the kid in the room working with these people who are so masterful. I was a little more um, ready for it, just because I re- like I, I looked at it a lot like Thirty Rock, where it's like you're with these people. They're you know they've been doing this for a while and they know what they're doing and they're awesome at it. Um, but that's why that's not why they hired you. You're not here. Like I'm not here to do all the awesome physical comedy for peers. <laughs> And I'm not here to do like the the awesome witty like takes that Joel McHale's doing because like no one's gonna do that better than him on the show by design. You know that's why the show is the it's an ensemble because people are doing it's a Swiss Army knife, and like all you can do is focus on what you're there to do. And like I knew like I wasn't gonna be doing that other stuff. So like it was it, I was I had I was in a better headspace when I when it came to that. So I was just like I'm just gonna focus on what this character is. Well, Donald, thank you so much for taking all this time to be on The Sound of Young America. It was so fun to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I hope I didn't curse too much. (laughs) Donald Glover uh, is uh, one of the stars of NBC's Community, which uh, runs Thursday nights on NBC. He's also uh, the lead in one of the writers and the composer for the film Mystery Team, um, which is uh, running in various theaters throughout the United States. You can use the internet to ask for it. Just Google uh, Mystery Team. Um, he's also a stand-up comic who you can see around the country from time to time and a member of Derek Comedy, whose uh, videos have uh, millions of views each on YouTube. Thanks again. Thank you so much. 
That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I have been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Music on the program provided by Dan Wally. Our show is edited by Nick White, our intern, Mariel Reyes. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org. And if you have thoughts about the show, you can always email me. My email address is jesse, J-E-S-S-E, at MaximumFun.org. We'll see you next time right here on The Sound of Young America.